0: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and my guest tonight is Sal Vernaro. How's it going, Sal? Man, I'm gra-
1: I'm so glad to be here. Things are things are. Things are going as well as they can be. Uh, I'm, say, I'm Just glad to be
0: here. Yeah, man. How's it being, like all cooped up with the kids?
1: Oh uh, well. They, as crazy as it sounds, they keep me sane because if it was just me, there's no telling what damage I would have done by now. At least they, uh, at least they spice stuff up. Uh, uh, it's uh, I, I, my heart goes out to, to you know all those people that. That don't at least have in-home entertainment. Uh, I can I can watch the network all day, but uh, me and my nine-year-old have put together some classics. I can't, I can't wait to get back in a ring, so <laughs> we can work these things out all the way.
0: Hey, that's pretty awesome. You've been by so many different names: the mayor, Kid Escase, the Pizza Boy. <laughs>
1: is the one that always gets me only because that was literally a one-off deal. It was a one-time, one one, time, one experience. Like, it was never meant to be more than that. It was uh It, it was a one-and-done, and somehow that got that thing has got more legs than a dang Caterpillar or something <laughs> that's got a millimeter or whatever. Uh, it's like, uh, I, I did it one time it was it was a it was a one off deal at NWA Wildside where uh Jimmy Rave who one of my best friends in the world uh he was in the he was in an angle with uh Tony Mamaluke. you know Mamaluke was yes. as the heel they would chant where's my pizza well uh to get under Mamaluke's skin one night we did a spot where Jimmy's in a submission and I come out with a pizza to answer where's my pizza <laughs> uh Mama Luke sees me, gets distracted, Jimmy rolls him up, one, two, three, rolls to the floor, and we celebrate, because, I mean, keep in mind, we're working for for uh, Bill Barron's and, and NWA Wildside, so those paydays are the, the proverbial hot dog and a handshake. Well, that night, I got the hot dog, the handshake, and the pizza.
0: Hey, that's oh,
1: pretty... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a double payday. But that was it. It was like there wasn't even a follow up match between myself and Mama Lou. That was, that was literally it. And every time I do one of these
0: podcasts, someone asks me or brings up, "Hey, tell me about Child the Pizza Boy." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, you wrestled around uh, jo- the Georgia area in pro wrestling, and you also got to know AJ Styles right before you know he was heading up to WCW way before uh, WWE. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I've known, I've known AJ We're going on Oh, heavens uh, we're, we're looking at two decades now that I've known AJ And AJ's one of those guys uh, I think he's only got Like three or four years on me uh, When I broke in on the indie scene here in Georgia I was 16 uh, And I was Running with a couple guys from Middle Georgia uh, by John, Their name's John Phoenix Who's like my dude and Jason Cross, who you might remember from the early TNA days, he was the guy that did the shooting star leg drop. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so I ran with them, and uh, they they were always off and on working with AJ somewhere because they had similar styles. And so through them, I met AJ. Uh, I think it was at a what was the name of this place? It was at a it was at a bar show, which is funny because none of us drank. But we, you know, we would do these shows. It was called Good Old Days, and I don't remember the name of the promotion. I can't imagine it being called Good Old Days, but the ball was called Good Old Days. And man, I mean, I remember he, he, the first time we saw AJ. I mean, he's twenty two, twenty three, and, and even at that time, they're like, "Oh yeah, that guy's on something." You know, like, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be a player. There was no doubt about it, even then. Uh, so. It, it, it always entertains me, especially when when you rehear the story about, you know, oh when when AJ came out at the Rumble and Vince was shocked at the response he got. And it's like, Man, that secret's been out <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, I totally agree with you. I mean I you know, I te-
1: he's been good for a long, long time.
0: <laughs> so have you ever caught up with them lately?
1: Well, uh I just did security extra work for WWE. Let's see. I did that in September. Uh and we had we had a pretty good conversation. Uh both both at the I worked Clash of the Champions, then Roll and SmackDown. So we, we got to, you know, play around and goof off at the pay per view and raw and then he showed up he was a big surprise to induct Bill Behrens to the uh landmark arena which is where Wildside used to run mm-hmm. uh bill barons was a surprise inductee into the hall of fame aj is the one who did the speech and uh i went up to visit with aj and we you know we hung out for a little while and caught up but uh i run i run in age and i'd say i oh, don't know every every so often every couple months you know it's it's uh Man, so uh, I wrote this, AJ had a book that was coming out, this is when he was still in TNA, this is right at the end of his TNA run. Uh-huh. AJ was having a book uh, released, uh, and they wanted as many guys as they could to write a little passage about AJ. Uh, and uh, I was one of the people they asked, you know, do you mind just writing a couple paragraphs about AJ, and in it I, you know, Uh, uh, the the thing I said was my favorite thing about AJ is AJ's always been AJ like the the dude I met way back when is the dude that's still you know getting getting ready to have a Wrestlemania match with The Undertaker or already had a Wrestlemania match with The Undertaker I don't know how it's working something along those lines Uh, but like my, my favorite example is when he was, when they did the first, what was that match? It wasn't the Ultimate X, but it was the one he did with Rhino, where it was like the scaffold match Yeah. TNA. Uh, very irrelevant. It was, it was a scaffold thing. Uh, he was working Rhino. And uh, I was, that's when I was off and on with TNA. So I get there, and he goes, hey, hey, Sal, I gotta show you something. <laughs> I was like, all right, man. So like he grabs me and he's pulling me into the sound stage. And he goes, look at this thing. And he starts, like, monkey bar climbing on this scaffold, which to any human being on the planet would probably be insane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not, you know, much less a guy that's like, getting ready to have a pay-per-view match. and probably shouldn't be monkey bar climbing 12 feet above a wrestling ring. And there's AJ, like, oh, look at this. I can do this. I, I could do this. I can do this. <laughs> AJ, please don't hurt yourself. Your only audience is me.
0: <laughs> That's pretty wild. Now, l- let's talk about you being part of uh, NWA Power. W- what has that been like for you?
1: Man, it's been, it has been the most inc- so uh just a little backstory on it all. Uh, about 2010, I kind of, I don't say, I hate the word retired. I never retired, but I, uh, I just stopped seeking bookings. I kind of just... Uh, I was really burnt out, man. Out because I, I was going hard on the road for for about at that point about ten years straight. Just you know, taking every booking I could. If it was a Tuesday in front of twelve people in Poughkeepsie, you know, I'm I'm driving round trip by myself. So by 2010, I kind of burned out, so I just wasn't taking a lot of bookings. Uh, and then I got on with TNA as part of the merch crew. So, like, I, I was, I, I just didn't, wasn't wrestling at all. Uh, fast forward, and I kind of got the itch, and I started to do a couple matches here and there, and I shed about 100 pounds, and uh, I kind of kind of got back into the, the, the indie scene here in Georgia, and was doing spots for Ring of Honor, doing, you know, extra stuff for WWE and NXT and stuff like that. And uh, they announced that Power was going to be, in atlanta so i kind of sent out some feelers and uh didn't hear anything back and said okay well you know i tried and then the first taping was on a monday they contacted me friday and said hey do you, you want to come you, you want to come do this i was like oh absolutely so uh have you ever seen the movie hook
0: yeah with robin williams and uh sure, justin hoffman
1: yeah sure you're a a bleeding, red heart American. Of course, you seen Hook. So, you know the scene in Hook where Peter comes back to Neverland and he's trying to convince the Lost Boys that, hey, I'm Peter Pan and they took my kids and nobody's biting. Yeah. Rufio's like, you're full of crap. And finally, there's the one little kid that like shoves Robin Williams' face back into like a weird Joker and he's got his eyes all criss and goes, oh, there you are, Peter. Well, that's essentially me. At every, like, every time I showed up at a bigger promotion, somebody would, you know, stop and double-take and triple-take and, wait, are, are you Sal? Y- yeah, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I show up to the NWA Power and... Uh, Bill Barons, who's the one who, who helped get me on, who's been my agent forever,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, he goes, Hey, you know, get, get with the Dolphins your first match. I'm like, All right, cool. So we're, uh, we're kind of trying to figure out what we got going on in Crimson, who I knew while I was doing merch stuff in TNA. He kind of walks up, and it's, it's just a shine match for the Dolphins. It's not, you know, I'm definitely not the star of this match. So he's just kind of overlooking. The two the two pieces of meat that are getting destroyed. So he's laying out this match, you know, his ideas. We need this, this. Sal? Sal, is that you? <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I didn't even know it was you. I was like, oh, I've been hooked again. Uh, and he was like, oh my God, Sal, let me can you do another match tonight, too? <laughs> yeah, man, that's cool. And uh, so I, you know, like, first night in I do two matches off the rip like oh that's cool but that was it like I never got like hey we need you back or anything so I was like well that was a fun run it it, it was what it was well then I get the hey we need you for the second TV and I'm stoked just because like hey man this is a cool opportunity and I grew up on this stuff so like when you walk into that sh- the first time I walked onto the set it literally time warped me I mean I thought you know Bill and Ted were about to come out of the, the phone booth with me like it was, it was 1986, and we're getting ready to get to Great American Bash. So, like, I'm super stoked just about being halfway affiliated with this thing. And uh, I'm in the back talking to Caleb Conley who I've known since probably his second batch. And we, you know, we're just chopping it up. And I see Billy Corgan walking our way, so I kind of take a step back because I know Billy's coming to talk to Caleb about whatever superstar stuff superstars talk about and uh so i take a step back to create space and billy corgan 180s turns his back on caleb and goes hey sal uh you have a minute and i'm just like there's so much in my head like oh my god billy corgan knows my name <laughs> what what is happening right now <laughs> like, i've got to find out what it's like to be a rat in the cage i've got i've got so many questions billy corgan uh and it's just like hey uh i just want to let you know I, I really appreciate what you're doing and uh if you don't mind i'd like to do some character stuff with you uh it, yeah Billy Corgan that would be spectacular <laughs> and uh I, they just I, I, they saw something in me and they you know like it's been a blast man it's it's a very i love i love that it's just a I was there on the bottom floor, like I was literally the first match out of the gate. Uh, uh, that that match with the Dawsons was the very first match on NWA Power, which is just like a a cool little side note in history that you know amounts to nothing, but it's still very cool for me. Uh, but it, it, it's it's such a family atmosphere where like everybody's driving in the same direction, like. As pro wrestlers, we all have egos, we all wanna be the best, and we all want to be the star of the show, but nobody is, in that locker room, in that atmosphere, nobody plays that part. You know, everybody wants to make everybody work because if if we've got a locker room full of 20 guys that are stars, then we've got 20 stars to promote, to get people to watch our shows, to get pay-per-view buys, to get all that. It's, it's very, very cool. The atmosphere is cool. The crowd there for those TV tapings, because, you know, we're doing four, three, four shows a night, and they're as lively for match one as they are for match 12, for match 13, and it's really, it's a really, really cool feeling. Oh,
0: I bet it is. Um, also, before we got on, you were going to tell me a funny Sean Mooney story.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh,. I'm a self I'm, I'm a self professed wrestling nerd. Like I'm super nerd. Like I've been watching wrestling since I mean I'm pretty sure I was watching it in the womb. I don't know if that's possible, but <laughs> I X-rayed visions my way into watching wrestling. So so uh like I'm I we were sitting in the stand. It was me and Kyle Durden who's the, the backstage interviewer for NWA. and he uh We were talking about, we were just chopping it up. He's he's an old friend of mine, and we're just talking and talking. And I mentioned Circle Squared, which was the new concept show. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we're filming that tonight. Uh, Did you know who's the host? And I go, no, who's that? He goes, Sean Mooney. I go, what did you just say to me? He goes, yeah, uh, Sean Mooney's here. I was like, what? what? Sean Mooney's here? And I'm talking to you? So, like, I jumped out of my seat. Like, I've got to go find Sean Mooney. Like, he could have said anybody else, and it wouldn't have been as cool. But this is Sean Mooney. This is the face of Coliseum Home Video. I'm losing my mind. So I run down the stairs through the set. I bust through the curtain to backstage, and the first person I see is Damien Sandow. Uh, and I'm like, hey, man, did you hear Sean Mooney's here? And he goes, wait, what? I was like, yeah, Sean Mooney's here. <laughs> so now Damien Sandow and I are still going to be doing our way through every possible hallway Room, door, you name it. We're trying to find Sean Mooney, right? and it's like trying to find Bigfoot. It's just a imaginary creature. Well, as we're doing this, somebody calls uh, somebody calls Sandow to go do pre-tapes, and I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm not waiting on you. This has to happen." So uh, I keep, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm high and low. I mean, you would have thought Sean Mooney was Carmen, San Diego, could not find him anywhere. And I cut the corner and run smack into Sean Mooney. And I'm pretty sure he thought like I was being like sarcastic and uh, I'm losing my mind. Like, dude, you're Sean Mooney. Like, dude, throw me to earthquake and tugboat at the garden for me. Like, dude, you're like you're Sean freaking Mooney. Like, I could go home now. Like I don't have to work tonight. <laughs> so like I'm still so, but I run, I, you know, I literally ran into Sean Mooney. And uh, the rest of the day, every time I walked down the hallway, I was just like, oh my God, hey, Sean, Sean Mooney. And he'd wave at me. I'd be like, yes, Sean Mooney's my best friend. So that's how Sean Mooney
0: became my best friend. That's pretty awesome. I met Sean Mooney, and I was acting like that as well. But me, um, the one person I met, I really marked a lot. And I didn't know what to say, and I loved him growing up, was uh, Tony Shavani.
1: Yes. Yeah, we'll see some, when the one TNA shot that Tony did, I had a dark match, and that was another one where I was like, wait, like, I didn't even realize it was Shibani just because this was about a year after WCW had folded, and, Fulton, you know, he hermit crapped and vanished. So when he showed up at TNA, like, he's got the full beard gimmick, and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and I was like, "I." I saw him from across the fairgrounds and I'm trying to pinpoint, like, I know this guy, who is this guy? And then I just happened to look up on the board and saw Shivani. I was like, oh my God, that's, that's Peebo. Like that's the, <laughs> that dude helped raise me. Get back here Tony Schiavone. Uh So yeah, I mean, I did totally the same way. And I think part of the Mooney thing was just because it was so unexpected Like, if you would have told me in advance, like, hey, you're going to meet Sean Mooney, I would have been stoked. But just to have the gift of Sean Mooney sprung on me, like, man, that was icing on the cake.
0: Oh, that would be... um, I met him at the first All-In in in Chicago um, when they did their first pay-per-view. And uh, he he was one of the most genuine, coolest guys you ever met. And and then... (laughs) and then after that we were talking about Coliseum home videos and all that absolutely yes it brought me memories when I was a little kid in the 80s and then um, I did another thing there too I'll have to send you the video of it Um, I did a a promo uh, interview with uh, Tony Schiavone where I was calling out Ricky the Dragon Steamboat (laughs) that's
1: spectacular yeah so there was right before Schiavone got back I think he may have it may have been right when he started his podcast with Conrad and the timing might be a little off it might be right before that there was a show that I was doing up in northwest Georgia called uh, It's the Peach State Wrestling Alliance Okay, and, and they were teasing a commissioner they were doing a commissioner angle and so I asked the guy I was like hey man who's it going to be and he goes oh well, I'm working I'm trying to work on Tony Schiavone and I was like oh my god <laughs> I hope you don't have a backup plan because that's the only choice. <laughs> and uh, I guess Shivani's schedule conflicted with with every show, and I was like, just get video messages from him. Like, who cares? Get Tony Shivani tied into this; that would be awesome. Uh, and I guess by the time he tried to to go back, Shivani had already. Uh, gotten gotten back full boogie with, with MLW and then you know so on and so forth so uh, they missed the boat on them but I would have been so stoked if I could have just had the one Shivani moment
0: oh that would have been great I had mine with them on a video promo interview and you know I was like a little kid in the candy store how you were like reacting around Sean Mooney and be honest you were marking on Sean Mooney
1: <laughs> oh, hard I mean there's, there's no other way I mean there's no way to define it other than I was, I was hardcore marketing. now. I mean, like, keep in mind, I did a 20-minute hunt. for <laughs> So it's not like I, I bumped into Sean Mooney and was like, hey, you're Sean Mooney, cool. <laughs> like, no, I went out of my way <laughs> to have this Sean Mooney moment. Like, it was, it's just, uh, a couple weeks ago, he posted a picture of, uh, at, at all the tapings, and took a photo of everybody. Uh, in the ring at the pound and he posted a photo uh, on his Instagram account and he just put like family uh, was the subtitle so I messaged you know I I wrote under it I was like even me and he was like uh, he was like of course you Sal and I was like oh my god this validates it Sal Moody's basically my new father (laughs) like this is the best
0: yeah, that is so awesome. Um, let's talk about another guy we both know. Let's talk about Logan Creed. Yeah. So uh when I when
1: I moved back into wrestling, like I said, I I was big on like when I stopped taking bookings, my fear was always being that bitter old guy in the locker room that felt like pro wrestling owed me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh most locker rooms, there's at least one. It's like, ah, oh, I should have gotten this break and I should have gotten this break. I didn't want to feel that way. Like, man, I'm I'm five 5'8 on my tiptoes and I'm a buck 70. Like, I've traveled, you know, I've traveled the world. I've worked for WWE. I've worked for TNA. I've worked for Ring of Honor. Like, I've had a good run, you know? So, like, I don't want that. I do not want to I just I just found it as big as it was bigger. So, uh, I, I, I kind of just walked away, and my buddy runs a show down the street from me, and he'd been for months, he'd been hounding me, hey, come do a show, come do this show, come do this show. I'm like, no, man, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Well finally, he asked me, what's it gonna take? And I said, well, I'll highball him, I'll throw him a number that's way too high, he'll sort of say no, and we'll both walk our way, you know, walk away, and it'll be okay. So I threw him our stupid high number, and he was like, okay, I'll see you, you know, February 20th, and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) So I went and did the shot, and one of the guys there was Logan, and Logan was one of the few guys that, I'm not gonna say he marked out for me, but he was like, oh, man, Val, that's cool. And so we started chatting, and we had a lot in common, and I just saw, like, at this, I mean, this is, we're talking 2013, I think. And I just see this big dude that's got all the potential in the world and uh, just had no direction, you know, like uh, he had the fundamentals, but I don't, at that point, I don't think he really knew what to do with them. So uh, he became one of my pet projects where I was like, man, I'm going to, uh, I want to help him out. You know, like he he genuinely wanted to learn, like he would kick my brain constantly. Oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What if I try this? What do you think about this? uh so like he genuinely wanted to help and I'm always big so like when when I broke into ROH in 05 it's right when CM Punk was leaving for OVW but Punk helped me out a lot and uh I I always asked him like hey man what can, how, how can I repay you I mean his big thing was always just pay it forward you know like any any time that somebody wants help help them. So I've always—that's one of the like my my big principles in life is if someone wants to help, if someone wants help, don't be afraid to help them. And Logan was that guy, like he wanted to help, you know, like he had the one thing that nobody could teach, and that size. Uh, so and he actively wanted to wanted to help, and so I was like, absolutely, let me let me do everything I can to help this guy. And uh, I mean, like he's come a long way in a short time. I mean, and I, I, I don't even think he's close to his ceiling yet. Like, he's a real talented big dude. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Abyss where he's barely giving in the ring. Uh, I used to, I used to razz him hard because like one night we did a show and uh, I'm, work, I'm working Logan, and my big false finish was a, was a, a suplex. Just a generic, you know, yeah. suplex. But the whole match was built around his size, and I'm trying to suplex him, and I just can't get him off his feet. I can't get him off his feet, you know. And we'll, we work a little bit, and I get a, I get his feet up off the air, and then he stops it. And then we work a little more, and then I get him, you know, three-quarters of the way, and then he stops it. And then finally, I pull my comeback, boom, 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 boom. He still does a bump, whip, reverse, buckle, boot him, tornado, DDG into a suplex. And that was, my, that was the one bump he took, that was my one false finish, the crowd bit off it. And he was like, oh my God, that was great. And I was like, yeah, do that all the time. And then the next week he worked a guy that's smaller than me and in the first five seconds he's taking tilt wall head scissors and hurricanranas and I'm like, dude, I know you can work. I know you can bump don't. <laughs> like, if I was your size, I, I would work like Zuna. I'd get one bump a year and it'd be worth billions. Like, <laughs> uh, And, and, it's, and I, I, I call it the Abyss. It, it's just the Abyss style where Abyss always was so giving, you know, like Abyss was willing to take a hundred bumps for me. And I was like, nah, maybe just one. <laughs> like, I promise you, it'll be okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You're a big, giant, scary dude. I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> same to same someone else, buddy. Uh, but Logan's, I mean, Logan's learned a lot. Uh, and he's applied a lot. And I mean, like I said, he's, uh, I don't think he's near his feelings.
0: Yeah, I'm glad he's part of MLW, too.
1: Yeah, what a perfect fit. I mean, it just... Uh, he, he's such a hybrid wrestler where, like I've said, you know, like, I mean, he's, he's a big dude that can, you know, Oh, you want a tope? Here you go. And, you know, he can break it out with ease. I mean, he makes it look easy, but I mean, he, he's, he's a great base. So all those small guys can, can get good looking offense out of him. Uh, plus all his stuff looks legit. I mean, his strikes are good. I mean, he's just, I like I said I I, I think
0: the world will good. Oh, I do too. He's the coolest guy ever. Um, let's talk about another thing you were part of too. You were part of the uh, Wrestling Road Diaries with uh, Coat Cabana and Daniel Bryanson before he was Daniel Bryan. What was uh, that? Uh, what was that like? So uh, that was one
1: of those things where uh, I was I was driving up to. Philly every month to do the Ring of Honor on HDNet TVs, and I've known Cabana, first time I met Cabana was one of the Ted Petty, like the first, one of the Ted Petty tournaments I did, I think it was in 03, 04, and uh, Jimmy Wave, again, was kind of a liaison, where Jimmy had got me in, and Jimmy had told me, like, I'd heard of Cole Cabana, because, like, I'm real big on following everything, like, I'm not... I'm like I like I said, I'm just a super I'm a super nerd. So like even in 3, you would hear rumblings about these guys out of Chicago. Uh <clears throat> so I had heard of Cabana and I'd seen some of his stuff and Jimmy was like, Dude, you're gonna love him. You guys are, are from the same cloth. So the first time I meet Cabana, I guess Jimmy had told him the same thing about me and we almost had the WrestleMania nine doink double-doink standoff where we, you know, we mirror-imaged each other unintentionally. It's not like this was a spot cold. It just occurred, and I was like, yeah, I think we just became best friends. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, I mean, hey, hey, Cabana always took good care of me. I mean, he's just, uh, just a, I mean, what you see is what you get with Cabana. I mean, he's hilarious. So he had told me, uh, this is June or July, uh, at the RLH tapings, he goes, hey, uh, I'm doing a documentary, uh, about like a week. It's basically a week in the life of an indie wrestler. He goes, it's me coming back to the Indies. It's Brian getting ready to go to WWE. He goes, but we need a third. I was like, oh, okay, I'll do it. He goes, I didn't ask you. I was like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> 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 you messed up and said you need a third. I took that as my invite. So I'm doing it. He goes, yeah, no, that's perfect. So, uh... I mean, uh, Brian's another guy. So, Brian is one of those guys where he's got so much personality, and especially back then, it didn't show in his work because he was just, he was, he was, he worked such a different style that I don't think people understood the, the charisma that he had. But I would tell promoters in the South all the time, like, hey, please put Brian. Uh, Let me work, Brian. We'll have a good, you know, we'll have an awesome match. This guy's incredible, Uh, you know. Plus, he's just such a great person to have in the locker room. And uh, so, when when I found out it was me, Brian, and Cabana, I was like, Oh my god, this is good. This is going to be the best. It's just going to be so much fun. And I mean, it just was. I mean, it was, it was, it literally took place uh, during my birthday and. A, like, a month before my wedding. Uh, so, like, my now ex-wife, she was at home, like, making wedding arrangements. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go play with Brian and Cabana. And uh, <laughs> just let me know, like, when and where I got to be. I'll be there, I promise. So, uh, you know, we just hit the road for 10 days. And it's, it's almost funny because what... That was not, it's not like we put on for the cameras. Half the time, I legitimately forgot there was a camera there because it was just me, Cabana, and Brian doing the same thing we had done for years getting in a car, uh, getting to the next town, finding, you know, finding stupid shenanigans to pass the time, Uh, you know, just just enjoying each other's company. And like, that's the one thing I love that documentary. Just because, like, I'm, I'm such a wrestling mark, like, I love pro wrestling, but it wasn't until I got into wrestling and I found the brotherhood and the kingship that I was like, oh, wow, like, there's such a second level of pro wrestling that doesn't, that the crowd, that the fans don't get to appreciate, that's almost better than the in-ring product. So, like, I'm, you know, like, again, i uh, I, I've got raw well on right now. Like I'm, a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge, fan of all the genres of pro wrestling, but the the stuff that people don't get to see just you know the the, the brothers, the brotherhood, the, the friendships that come out of this business are, are almost better than getting to perform for me.
0: That's pretty good. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm doing this podcast and also uh, catching glimpses of raw as well.
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: Um, And another thing we got in common, too, um, we're both California natives. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I, I
1: tell people all the time, I love California. I mean, I was born and raised there. I never even left the state until 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I in, uh, it's just California was home, and it's funny because like I didn't realize you hear words as a kid, but they didn't really sink into me because I, I didn't really move out of South, Southern California until I moved to Georgia. So like I spent my whole life in Southern California, and then the next day I'm in Georgia, you know. So like there were things I didn't understand. So like as a kid, I would hear things like syndication and didn't know what that meant. Was a guy, you know, whatever. So, I thought everybody, like Fox was channel 11, CBS was channel 2, NBC was channel 4, ABC was channel 7, KTLA was channel 5. I 2020 but 2020. No, there's probably not a KTLA in Georgia. Duh. Like, I just, I didn't know any better, so I, I never had to think about it being anything but. So like, that was such a culture shock for me. Uh, and then of course, you know, In-N-Out Burgers.
0: Oh God, I love that place.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was an every everywhere place. So when I moved out here, I was like, oh no, I can't get enough of grilled onions. What am I going to do? Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's like my, that's my go-to, like a few times I've been back. Like, I don't care what I do. I have to go to In-N-Out first. I don't care what time of day it is. Like, let me go get my double-double,
0: and then we can dissect anything else about this trip. I totally agree with you. I grew up in California all my life. I grew up out in Bakersfield, California. Okay, yeah. And um, I moved to uh, outside of Cincinnati back in 96, and it was like a big culture shock for me because over here in the Cincinnati area, everything is like 20 years behind
1: yeah, no, that's the same way. Like, I moved to Macon, Georgia, so I didn't even move to, like, a big city. So, like, <laughs> I tell people all the time, I moved, when I moved out here, like, I beat hip hop to Georgia. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you sure did. And there was a lot of stuff. I remember I was, I'm a big movie buff, so I was going to this movie theater, and I looked around, it's like, um, you guys don't have uh, Dolby digital surround sound, and they just looked at me if I was like an outcast. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: You're using foreign words, Daddy. Just, <laughs> and yeah, I know. It's, it's like, it's so crazy. I mean, and it's, it, it's, it's surreal now thinking about it, just because like, I've got seven acres out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like, uh, like I'm sitting, in a, I'm sitting in my grass field right now, because that's where I get the best reception.
0: Oh, that's and, good.
1: Yeah, and like, growing up in California, you know, like, I had neighbors everywhere. Like, there was always neighbors, there was always kids, there was always something going on, and like, now there's nights where like, after the kids go to sleep, I'll throw a blanket out in the front yard and just kind of look at the stars, and it's silence, and Mm -hmm. the only thing I'll hear are like, the deer eating, or you know, like, things like that, it's just, it's such, it's such a different world. Uh, but like I, uh, I mean, I'm still like everybody picks on me because I'm still like you know, I'm, I'm a Lakers fan. I grew up on Showtime. I will fight. I will fight whomever. Like Magic Johnson is the greatest basketball player that ever lived. <laughs> I don't. I know Michael Jordan's a thing. That's cool. Michael Jordan never jumped center in Game Seven of the Finals. <laughs> uh, like. Uh, you
0: know like I I still bleed Dodger Blue Uh, I'm still a Raiders fan I mean it just to publicly admit that I think proves that I'm a Raiders fan hey there's nothing wrong with that Um, um, I'm a big Angels fan since I've lived out there so um, I bleed red for the for the Angels I mean I'll go to some
1: I'll tell people Times like, when I was, because I lived in, I lived right outside of Anaheim for a little while. Yeah, And, in the, and this is, this is, uh, 96, So, uh, and I was on my own, because I've been on my own since I was 14. So, uh, there were plenty of days, like, I was supposed to, you know, it was early season, I'm supposed to be in science, and I was like, oh, the Angels have a, a game? Uh, they have, you know, they have a, they have a day game? I'm going to go there. So, like, I saw Griffey at Edison Field, I think, at the time. I saw Griffey play for, like, 12 bucks while I was supposed to be, you know, doing social studies. <laughs> so, like, so, like uh, the Angels will always have a fond place in my heart. But, like, one of my earliest sports memories is Gibson's home run in 88.
0: I remember that, too.
1: Yeah.
0: That's wild. Um, one of my favorite memories when I used to go to the, you know, the Angels games was um, I used to love some Wally Joiner.
1: Absolutely, Wally World, Daddy.
0: Yes. <laughs> I know. I remember the Wally World signs, and it was so funny. I mean, I followed the Dodgers too, and it was so funny how Angel Stadium and Dodgers Stadium were just right there against each other, right? Yeah, back to back, yeah. That's
1: <laughs> what the prices were. I at an Angel fan. I game. I really should
0: have just been an Angel fan. I am seeing so much schooling I know, right? And then, um, you know how we both were growing up on wrestling. You know how we, you know, got NWA, WCW, and WWF. And, you know, when we both, you know, like you moved down south, I moved to the Midwest. I didn't know nothing about, you know, the territory wrestling because I just I just read them out of the magazines. And then when I um, got out to the Midwest, my early 20s, I started hearing about these mid all these territories. And I was like, man, I got to check these out. So I went and started watching videos and stuff. And that's how I learned about all the other territories.
1: Yeah, no. I was definitely like was Like I wasn't even like I was aware of the NWA, but like I wasn't a hardcore follower of the NWA as a child. But like WWF, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage were basically the people that I give credit for raising me. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, they, they only did. Mean, And obviously there's a a billion others that I loved and I've grown to love and I've gone back and watched. But, like, at my heart, I was, you know, I was was born. That's what I was raised on was WWF, you know. Like, that that was it. That was the number one, like, pro wrestling. But, like, it hooked me so young that, like, as a kid, I would buy the the Victory magazine, which became the WWF magazine, yep. and, like, all the actor mags, so, you, mean, you know, not just your Pro Wrestling Illustrated, but your inside wrestling, and, and all of those, uh, wrestle, I think, wrestling, Wrestle America. Yep. So like, that, that's how I found out about all these other, like, there's there's a world outside of WWF, and mm-hmm. NWA slash WCW, because I would read about it in the magazines, and, like, I, I tell the story, but, like, I went from, I'd say about from 1993 till he debuted on Nitro, knowing who Sabu was, but never seeing his matches. But, like, my brother and I, when we would have our wrestling matches in the backyard, we'd fight over who got to be Sabu because of what we saw in the magazines. You know, I just saw this scarred-up dude, upside-down Doing moonsaults and breaking tables, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's the best wrestler I've ever lived." <laughs> you know, like I had never even seen him until he showed up at Nitro, and then uh, uh, I can't even remember the name of the network, but one of those off off Fox off sports networks had ECW at like 3 a.m. Oh On yeah, Friday night, and I set the VCR and that's when I got to
0: finally start watching ECW oh ECW uh, was the shit um the one thing oh, that yeah. the one thing that got me into ECW was uh Raven yes yes how cool I you mean,
1: those things, like and it's I tried to go back and watch some of those shows and but like I'm real big like my my, my eldest son he's 14 and he doesn't I think he's got like this like this Wrestling is what took Daddy away when he was younger.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So, like, he's not a big wrestling fan. Like, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, I wouldn't say he hates wrestling, but he's all, I think he kind of has a grudge against it being my other love.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, but my, my youngest son, Jacob, he's all in. I mean, he's me reincarnated, which is a scary proposition. Uh, but, so, like, he, you know, he, he, he wants to watch it all constantly and now he's got a network to do it. So like, one day he was like, Daddy, I want to watch some ECW. So we picked whatever to watch and I was like, oh man, some of this stuff doesn't age well. But if you block out what you're seeing in the ring and just watch the crowd, you'll know like something special is happening there. Like uh, Just because the in-ring product doesn't age as well as other things do Man, at that time, it was the most mind-blowing, out-of-the-box, out-of-this-world wrestling experience that, like, I didn't even know was a possibility. I
0: don't, I, I totally agree with you, too. Um, that's how I was when I was, you know, watching ECW. I was just that straightly ah, because, like, you growing up, it was, I was huge in the WBF, and the one wrestler that got me into uh, pro wrestling as a fan was Rowdy Rowdy Piper.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, of course. How, how could he not? You know, like, I mean, it's, it's, I'm doing, I call it a project, it's really just something for me to do, but I've gone back and started rewatching all of the, uh, the Tuesday Night Titans and the, Yes. the, the the primetime wrestlings, mainly because I want to see Sean (laughs) Mooney.
0: Oh, God, yeah, Sean Mooney, the event center, oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yes. So, it's, when you talk about a guy like Piper, you know, it's moments. There's so, so many small moments in those shows where, like, he's co-hosting that have been lost in annals of time that were they weren't even significant in the moment that he was doing them. But going back and rewatching them, it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe he was allowed. Like, oh, he would be he would be hung if he got if he tried to do stuff like this today. Uh, it's it's so cool, man. Like Piper was so far ahead of his time when just verbally. that it's uh it's, it's such a treat getting to to watch Piper. I mean it was a treat to watch him then, but getting to relive it now, it's just like, man, this guy was so good You know, like as a heel he's gonna make you hate him like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. Two months later, flip the script
0: and he'd be the most over-babyface in, in the territory. <laughs> He's wild. Yeah, I totally agree. And then speaking how we were, you know, earlier we were talking about Sean Mooney and, uh, you know, Tony Schiavone, I'll tell you another guy I like, too, since you're a, a big obsessed wrestling nerd, too, you can probably kind of appreciate him as well. What about Todd Pettengill? Oh, I guess so. A couple
1: years ago, my buddy had told me that there was a Pettengill sighting. Like, they were they were, Somebody was trying to get Peyton to do a show or something, and I was like, "Oh my God, I've got it's like oh, the host of Mania, yes, please." I loved Mania, Mania like it's. Uh, I've tried to explain to my kids, and so like I've I've tried to explain to them the significance of what Saturday morning cartoons were. Because oh they don't yeah, have that. They don't, they don't they don't have that to look forward to because they want to watch cartoons so they're on they can find them you know it's not like when we were younger we're like oh no there's no cartoons on you know you get two out on the block in the afternoon and there's a couple cartoons smattered here and there in the morning but if you want to watch a lot of cartoons you don't get them until Saturday morning Yep. well I I, I tell them all the time like my Saturday mornings are so structured because Mm -hmm. on the west coast like WCW Pro came on at 6.05 a.m. Yep. that's how my day started and so I would I would have the alarm set for six o'clock so I'd get up and you know watch watch wcw Pro and then I'd get my cartoons until 10 o'clock and that's when mania came on yep and then he, I don't care what's going on in the world I'm watching mania from 10 to 11 and then usually I you know I have an hour off because superstars yep on from 12 to one yep and then Saturday night started at 305.
0: Yeah, and uh, don't forget Wrestling like, Challenge, too.
1: Oh, yeah, no. It, it's the thing So like, uh, but, like, Todd Pengill was my dude. Like, uh-huh. my God, you have no idea. Like, I remember specifically sitting by my phone praying that he was going to call me <laughs> to, to let me know I won the house and in your house. Like, I, I was ready. Like, I felt it in my bones. Like, I'm getting this phone call. I'm going to win this house.
0: That's pretty awesome. Um, I tried reaching out to, him to for him to come on my podcast, and I was talking to, with him a little bit. He say uh, he's a disc jockey out out east somewhere, and uh, he said he was interested in coming on. And then you know, was, and he goes, "Let me get back with you." I was like, "Okay," and then you know, I waited and waited, and he never got back with me.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna keep out hope for that because I mean, you can't. talk uh would be the best uh, I bet he's
0: got some great tales oh heck yeah man I would love to hear him and if that ever happens Sal I will let you know when I get him
1: <laughs> please yes I remember saying, I remember it was 97 when he, so 97 he left and one of my favorite lines in the history of pro wrestling it was so subtle that a lot of people don't even re- remember it Michael Cohen just started doing the backstage interviews on Raw yeah. and the outlaws joked LOD, and they were running off in their car, and and Cole's trying to interview him, you know. And he's like, "I can't believe you did this." And one dog says something, you know. They kind of give him the business, and as they're driving off, and he goes, "You look like Pet Gill," and the car speeds off. And I remember die, I double over laughing, <laughs> thinking like. There's no way he was allowed to say that. <laughs> nobody, nobody ran that by him. He just kind of threw that at Michael Cole. And to this day, that's still what I think when I see Michael Cole. I mean, he's definitely done a couple more things <laughs> than that one interview, but he'll always be the guy in my brain that you look like Gill.
0: <laughs> Shoot, I wish I could get a compliment like that. I want to be Pettengill.
1: <laughs> yeah, right?
0: He's the best. So, Sal, where can everybody find you on social media?
1: Uh, well. Um. I actually circling back to little Creed. Uh, I had. I, well, I have a Facebook, uh, and it was it was literally set up by my ex wife. Only so when people were looking at her page, yeah, it could say you know where it said like married to. You can click on it. Like I never set up my my Facebook page. uh uh-huh. Uh but Logan's hard sold me on like the importance. Hey man, you gotta get out there, you gotta be more social media. Yeah. So I'm slowly working on it. So bear with me, guys. But uh my uh my Facebook is Sal Rinaldo, S-A-L-R-I-N-A-U-R-O. I'm Pat Sajak's favorite wrestler. Um uh my Instagram account is Sal underscore Rinaldo. And you can find me on Twitter, at Salonoro. I'm super-duper clever. Super clever
0: with my names. <laughs> oh, I bet you are, and I love how you said about Pat Sajak. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's, there's just a lot of vowels there. He's making money off it.
0: I know, right? Pat Sajak is stealing your thunder.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and he's got that of White, though. <laughs> yeah, right? Don't even,
1: she's just she's just as Miss Elizabeth. That's, that's the way I do it.
0: <laughs> oh um I one more question before we get off um I was watching you know the dark side of the ring they did a whole Chris Benoit story and um after all the aftermath and everything is I think WWE should recognize Woman and let her go in the Hall of Fame cuz she was innocent in of all this she's done so much in the pro wrestling you know world man Yeah no it's
1: like I Honestly, I don't think I'd ever even had that thought until it was brought up, and I mean that's such—it's such a valid point. But I also get like the less they think about it, the you know the more they can hope it goes away. It, it's 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 such a, a double-edged sword, where, like. Yeah, you know, he, 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 much like with Ben Wallace, up until that day, I mean he was a surefire fire Hall of Fame. I don't uh I I've never put over, you know, this guy. He yeah. He killed his his wife, his kid. Like, not cool, obviously. Uh, so, like, I did, but, like, up until the last, you know, 72 hours of his life, the guy was a surefire Hall of Famer. But now you can't say Chris Benoit and not instantly think of that, those last 72 hours. And I can, unfortunately for Nancy, it's the same thing, where, like, uh, if you say, like, oh, yeah, woman, your first thought isn't going to be like, "Oh, this trailblazing lady." Yeah, <laughs> that you know she you know that, that managed Ric Flair, managed Doom, and she, all of the all the stuff she did in ECW, and you know, like, you, unfortunately, that's not the thought that crosses your mind. So I can see, I I, I definitely understand the, like, yeah, she should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, her her body of work is definitely that of. Uh, of any Hall of Famer but it's the it's the well woman oh yeah she's the one that comes the walk in like ooh we don't want that smell on us so it, I get it and it's such a it's such a tough spot yeah for the whole company to get in I mean like I uh I couldn't agree more with it. like I mean if, if you look at her body at work yes woman should be in the Hall of Fame it's not even a question uh but I also get like, hey, we need to not talk about this at all, uh, yeah. from a company standpoint. Unfortunately, you know, like uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it in the least. Yeah, you know, they said, yeah, hey, we will putting women in, absolutely, please do. But at the same time, I, I get the hesitancy. Yeah. Over that and and that might be one of those things where, like, maybe a couple generations from now, where the so fans that were alive and experiencing the moment have kind of gotten older, and there's a whole new crop of fans, and you can reintroduce her as women, and like, hey, look at what this lady did, and just not mention it. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely more of a possibility then than it would than it would be today unfortunately but uh, that documentary was spectacular man that, that was some really good stuff and like uh I'm, I'm my, my daughter uh makes fun of me all the time cause I can't watch movies without crying uh but like that documentary man that's some of that stuff cuts straight to the core man
0: cause yes it does
1: uh, uh, like I uh this is a little known fact uh I helped make a lot of Rick Michaels was working for WWE at that time, and uh, as he was doing a lot of their, their scene work, they're making a lot of gear. And one of the top guys go- <laughs> he was doing was Ben Law. Well, I worked for Rick. So, like, a lot, like, one of my one of my big things is if you want to swirl 005, Ben Law wears baby blue. And that's because I fought to get him to wear baby blue like he was adamant like i don't want to wear baby blue i don't want to wear baby blue and i was like no no no, this is gonna look good and he has a pair of baby blue gear with black and gold uh claw marks and the i think it was the four uh, the for real side uh on his left leg i fought to make that gear a possibility
0: yeah i see, uh, I see what you're saying so
1: like, thing is like so watching that documentary like there's a personal connection to it outside of just like, I was a big fan of this guy and I can't believe this happened. You know, there was also like a, an actual one-on-one connection to it. So like, it's almost that whole situation is still, I mean, this is 13 years now and it's still to me that any of it
0: happened. I totally agree with you. I'm so Sal. Thank you so much for coming on out of your busy schedule. And, um, the shit with me. <laughs>
1: oh,
0: absolutely, All right, thank you so much, everybody else. Uh, thank you for listening to Russell Podcast. And you can follow Russell on Facebook at Russell Podcast. And you can follow me at other platforms. Russell Podcast. Uh, subscribe. Uh, leave a comment. Um, I'm on Spreaker.com, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, um, Podcast City Network at PodcastCity.net. City.net. Um, everybody, have a great evening.